Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you for joining us and letting us be part of your day. Very happy holiday season to all of you. Very Merry Christmas. Hope you're having a safe holiday season and a good day today. Here's what we're going to be talking about. The DTN Ag Summit is a virtual event this year, as uh, so many things are. We're going to be talking with several of the speakers uh, this week from the DTN Ag Summit, um, including... DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson, who joins us uh, most uh, Mondays, and he'll be on with us a little bit later on as well to talk weather. But we have several speakers uh, coming up today, tomorrow, and Wednesday from the DTN Ag Summit. So we'll be looking forward to talking with them on today's program. But we always enjoy kicking off the uh, week with Sarah Wyant, editor and president of AgriPulse Communications. Sarah, good to have you back with us. And it looks like maybe Congress is going to pull this off bring the omnibus spending bill and a covid uh, aid package kind of combine the two is that what you're hearing absolutely good morning mike it's a pleasure to be with you and as i've been mentioning for the last couple of weeks it seems that these uh the two competing sides republicans and democrats have finally decided that the pain out in the countryside is just too much to ignore and they have come together. There's been the Problem Solvers Caucus working on this. There's been a bipartisan group in the Senate. And it seems like they are coalescing around a $908 billion package. I don't know if we'll have all the details later this week. It sounds like there's still some debate over things like a moratorium on evictions. And the one thing that uh, Majority Leader Mitch McConnell has been pushing for for a long time is liability protections for businesses that have been hurt so badly during this pandemic. So there's a lot of uh, always the devil's in the details, you know. But um, everybody was saying the right things on the over the weekend. You've got leadership uh Speaker Nancy Pelosi talking about it's time for a pass package and Lady McConnell as well as Chuck Schumer from New York. So the right things are starting to happen. And I think the pain of the American people, all these businesses that are suffering and now are increasingly being asked to shut down, is finally weighing on the politicians to the fact that they will get something done before the end of the year. What are you hearing would be in the uh, relief bill for agriculture? It sounds like that there'll be a carve-out of about $26 billion for agriculture and nutrition and another $10 billion for broadband. Uh, again, the devil is in the details here, but we do know that there is a, a lot of discussion about the fact that we still have to keep pushing on this broadband expansion. And we know that agriculture and uh, is not out of the woods and that there are still a lot of people that are very hungry. And so we have to keep uh, funding in those areas as well. So it does look like there'll be several more billion for, for ag and for feeding programs. All right. So as you said, we wait for details, uh, but it sounds like the momentum is kind of finally there now to uh, to pull this off. So we'll wait and see on that. Meanwhile, even though we acknowledge there are still legal decisions to be rendered here on the election, but 
assuming that we're going to be moving into a Biden administration, if indeed that does happen, what are you hearing on the transition? Well, a lot of things have been bubbling up here recently, Mike. Last week, the CEO Council, which is a group of all the major agricultural groups like Farm Bureau and Wheat Growers and the Corn Growers, they met with the transition team. It's really the second discussion they've had. They, they previously met with Tom Vilsack, former Secretary of Agriculture and a key advisor to the Biden campaign. And so it's it's been a, an evolution of changing uh, ideas, exchanging ideas, and, and trying to talk about what they really see as priorities. Uh, you may have seen we published a, a piece that lists the white paper that they presented to the transition committee, and that has several different things that all these CEOs, like you've got uh, a little over 20, who have come together and said, these are the main things that we'd like to see you consider in the transition. Um, near the top of that list was COVID testing and supply chain and vaccinations for those essential workers who are providing you know, food for all of us all along the supply chain. Uh, they also wanted some clear language going forward in the next farm bill and, and to focus on ratifying new trade agreements in emerging markets. So uh, you can find the whole list on our website, but basically they had a good discussion uh, the CEOs that were present told me that they talked about personnel from the standpoint of, we don't know who you're going to pick, but please fill all the slots that you have, not only at USDA, but EPA and USTR. Um, that's something that, unfortunately, the Trump administration didn't do, and, and they would really like to see all of the slots filled that can be so that there's as much representation for agriculture as possible. And, of course, as we've been discussing, a lot of speculation about who the pick will be for Secretary of Agriculture. And in your story uh, on agripulse.com, uh, we, we see where Zippy Duvall, president of the American Farm Bureau Federation, did not speculate on who Biden should pick, but noted the person should have on-farm experience. Well, we've talked about Marsha Fudge being a prominent name mentioned, but uh, she really does not have a production agriculture background. No, she doesn't, and I think that's going to be really the divide for a lot of groups is, uh, is there a farm background or is there not? Uh, it, how important is the nutrition profile, which she clearly has experience in? And for Joe Biden, what kind of a message he wants to send to rural America with his pick on what, what his priorities are. Obviously, he's already made clear that climate is a big priority, and so will you know will the person have experience in that area as well? I do think, however, you're going to see some of the farm bureaus, especially at the state level, start to um, send some endorsements for Marsha Fudge, and then you're going to see others uh, weigh in for Heidi Heidkamp, and there's still probably a couple other names that are out there that we've talked about in the past that are going to have their own teams rallying behind them, as there always mm -hmm. is. Um, but uh, we're just going to have to wait and see on how President-elect Biden is going to weigh all these different factors, in addition to the push for diversity. And that's a big one for him and his cabinet. Sure is. Real, really quick here, Sarah, uh, the, the transition in Congress, I mean, key ag leadership positions, a lot of experienced leaders are, are moving on. Yes, we're losing Chairman Roberts in the Senate Ag Committee and um, Chairman Peterson on the House Ag Committee. 
I think obviously both would be available for people. But one of the good things you're seeing is some experienced farmhands coming back in, like Martha uh, Scott Poindexter, who's going to be um, working for Mr. Boozman, uh, either as mm-hmm. chairman or ranking on the Senate Ag Committee. She was a guiding force in the farm bill from 2005 to 2010. And uh, hopefully some of those staffers will at least come in with the experience behind the new leaders. A lot going on, a lot of moving parts here. So uh, always appreciate your coverage. You and your team do a great job at AgriPulse. Thanks, Sarah. Talk to you next week. Thank you, Mike. Bye. Sarah Wyant, editor and president of AgriPulse Communications. Up next, we'll talk with the lead analyst for DTN, Todd Holtman. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA. Adams on Agriculture, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. A lot goes into keeping a precision operation moving. The inputs you choose have to deliver results. New Delaro Complete Fungicide from Bayer offers unmatched consistency and the most complete disease control available. Your corn and soybeans are protected and yields higher, even in unpredictable conditions. With Delaro Complete, you get results you can count on to help keep your precision operation running smoothly. Always read and follow label instructions. To learn more, visit delarocomplete.us today. Recently on Adams on Agriculture... Dan Hallstrom, President and CEO of the U.S. Meat Export Federation. Some concerns over Mexico's beef grading standards. Tell us about those concerns and have they been addressed? I would say the primary concern was the terminology that was being proposed. The Spanish terminology was very similar to the English delineation of, uh, you know, our our grading standards, uh, prime, choice, select, etc., And we felt like these correlations were somewhat intentional because one of the biggest marketing advantages we have in a lot of foreign markets is our grading on beef and differentiating the uh, grain-fed qualities of our beef. Fast forward to uh, late November last month, the final rule was published by Sigarpa, and we we don't have this concern. Uh, The names, the titles are totally different. It's not as closely aligned with our grading standards. So a success in that sense, we feel. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. A cold front can slow the world to a crawl, but with Cenex Premium Diesel, your fleet can power through. Cenex Roadmaster XL Seasonally Enhanced comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn, optimizing cold weather performance over typical number two diesel. So rather than complaining about the cold, own it with Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. You may not realize how important three letters can be. For a patient who needs type A, B, or O blood, these letters can mean life. But there simply aren't enough people giving blood. Every two seconds, someone in the U.S. needs it. But only about 3% of the population donates. Without more donors, hospitals may not have the blood needed to save lives. That's why the American Red Cross needs people to help restore the A's, B's, and O's that are depleting each day. When you make your appointment to donate blood at redcrossblood.org forward slash missing types, you can help give strength to kids parents, and grandparents who face life and death challenges. From 
cancer patients to accident survivors waiting for critical surgeries, your generosity can give someone more life. Don't wait until the letters A, B, and O are missing from hospital shelves. You are the missing type patients need. Visit redcrossblood.org forward slash missing types or call 1-800-RED-CROSS to make your donation appointment today. Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. It is the opening day of the virtual DTN Ag Summit. And one of those figuring prominently in that lineup it joins us now, the lead analyst for DTN, Todd Holtman. Todd, thanks for joining us. I know we wish we were all together at your event in Chicago, but uh, yeah. all things considered, at least at least you can do it virtually. Yeah, isn't that good news? Boy, if, if this happened 10 years ago, I'm not sure what we would have done, but thanks to Zoom and, and uh, everybody being connected through Internet, or at least a, a lot of us, uh, we can still pull something like this off. So that, that is good news, but uh, definitely being in Chicago in person is our first uh, preference. Well, you've got a great lineup these three days, and we're going to talk with a number of your speakers here on uh, Adams on Agriculture, and uh, appreciate you joining us now. I want to we're, we're going to step away a little bit from the our usual conversations about what's going on right now with the grain markets and kind of step back and take a, a bigger picture look. And I, I guess before we look ahead to 2021, we need to look back at 2020. A lot of lessons learned, uh, hard lessons in many ways. Uh, who knew coming into the year we would be dealing with a, with a pandemic like COVID-19, but that's been the, the situation continues to be here at the end of the year. As you, from, a, from an ag market standpoint, Todd, uh, what are the lessons you think we've learned here in 2020? Boy, you know, uh, there's a couple of them, but you're right. I think uh, th- this year was such a surprise in so many ways, and it was kind of a two-part surprise. We had the pandemic early, and then we had this surprising uh, tidal wave of demand come from China, really out of the blue. And in the sense of grain markets, I think it uh, it highlighted that uh, we have a real challenge moving forward when it comes to dealing with China and trade. And I, I know people are weary of the topic. Of, we've just been through two and a half years of a tariff battle, and uh, uh, part of us feels very thankful, of course, to have that uh, extra business this year coming from China. But I think it highlighted some real vulnerabilities that we have in the U.S. You know, we've never considered ourselves being vulnerable to food security or running out of feed grain really uh, before that wasn't weather related Uh, but here's a case where because we didn't really know anything about what was happening in China we didn't know about their grain supply situation uh, for corn or soybeans very well and so we couldn't really predict this demand that seemed to come out of the blue and you know Brazil is the world's largest soybean producer and China emptied their cupboards in just a matter of a couple months. It was late July when we started to notice that Brazil soybean prices were starting to make new highs, even though they had just recorded a big harvest uh, a few months earlier. And then, lo and behold, in the fall, or well, about that same time, late July uh, through September, we started seeing unexpected corn demand and soybean demand 
from China, and now we're talking about the possibility of running out of soybeans here in the U.S. That that kind of vulnerability, I think, ought to make uh, some people a little bit ill at ease, especially if you're a poultry producer or a hog producer. The fact that uh, a food shortage in China can translate to us that quickly in the U.S. Uh, is a little bit uh, unnerving, uh, to put it lightly. Mm-hmm. And then we might say, but corn and soybean farmers uh, benefited, obviously, from the, be- the business, and we're thankful for the exports, and, and we took down some of those big uh, surpluses that we've been dealing with the past four to five years. But unfortunately, because we didn't know that uh, China had an impending food shortage going on this summer, we let a lot of that corn and soybeans go on the cheap. Uh, a lot of that corn went out the door when prices were under 350 a bushel here in the States, and a lot of the beans went out the door when the prices were below 9 or even $10 a bushel. So it's, it's, uh, it's something we've never really had to consider before, and uh, I, I, uh, I think uh, we're going to have to start some more conversations about this because it's something we're going to be dealing with the next 5, 10 years easily. You, know, you bring up a great point. While we've uh, focused on the good news of, of the demand and their business and the, and the market rally, uh, you bring up a good point in that you look back. Had we had a better handle or had more information of what they were going to need, uh, it certainly would have uh, changed some marketing decisions, wouldn't it? Yes, and and that gets to the crux of the matter. You know, with most countries, we have a pretty cooperative uh, effort involved when it comes to trading grain supply information. Uh, but uh, old-time listeners might remember the great uh, Soviet grain robbery when uh, Russia snuck mm-hmm. out with a lot of uh, wheat unexpectedly. And really, the bottom line was we didn't we didn't know that their drought situation was as bad as it was. But we have a similar situation here, and because we don't have a good cooperative level when it comes to uh, getting grain supply information from China, we're, we're basically blind. So we're playing a game of poker where we in the U.S. show the world all of our cards. We, uh, you know, all our USDA data and grain supply data is out there for free for everybody to see. But it, when it comes to China, we're really in the dark. And even though USDA makes estimates about China, they don't really have any good evidence to back up those estimates. And that, uh, that gets us in trouble. Even today, USDA is estimating that China has a, a corn surplus of 7.5 billion bushels. But that just doesn't make sense given that the, the level of importing we're seeing, and we're also seeing domestic prices above $10 a bushel uh, within China. So those things just aren't adding up, and, and that's something we really need some help with in the future. Because this could work the other way, right? I mean, this time it worked out to where, hey, they needed a lot, and so they were buying, and that boosted our prices. But it could have been the other way around where we thought they were going to maybe need more, and it turns out they didn't. Yes, absolutely. And without really knowing what the grain supply situation is in China, and by the way, they are the world's largest consumer of feed demand for both corn and soybeans, so it is a big deal to understand what's happening within their country. But when we don't, we have a hard time making reasonable demand estimates just for us here in the U.S. because exporting is such a big part of that. So it uh, it's really tough to, to be that much in the dark. Yeah, that's very interesting. The other thing, you know, 
there's always consternation about USDA projections and crop reports and how accurate are they and things like that. Yeah. What's your assessment of that, Todd, as far as uh, how it's done? Are improvements being made? Are they more accurate than they used to be? Or, or, or how much faith or trust we should put on, in them going forward? What are your thoughts? Yeah, well, I, I appreciate that question. I wish more people would ask it because as I look at it, um, it's really an assortment. And as analysts, I think we need to spend more time saying what are high-confidence estimates we get from USDA and what are low-confidence estimates. And to me, uh, from what I've seen in the past, uh, typically a, a good example of a high-confident estimate that USDA provides and helps us understand the market are the quarterly grain stocks reports. You know, those are numbers that don't take a lot of estimating. It's just it's basically a lot of surveys and getting out and knocking on the doors and finding out how much corn is on farms and how much is in commercial storage. And those numbers have been very reliable. And, in fact, they're so reliable that USDA adjusts their WASB estimates to those quarterly grain stocks. So that's one thing USDA does that's very reliable. Um, other things they do, typically the acreage report in June is a very reliable report. Now, last year that did not hold true because we had a, a horrible weather situation and USDA just had no uh, sense of how to deal with that. And so that, that turned out to be a mess. But typically the acreage report is good. Typically the fall harvest estimates in the U.S., especially backed up by field data, uh, are, are reliable and, and get us close. Those are all helpful things. But uh, sometimes when you venture out into areas like asking yourself how how much corn supply or surplus does China have, there's no evidence for that. And yes, USDA puts out numbers. I, I contend they would be better off just saying, you know, we don't have a good answer and, mm -hmm. and just let us realize how uh, risky or unknown that factor is. Hey, the bottom line is always going to be if uh, the reports cause markets to go up, we'll be happy. If they cause them to go down, we're not going to be happy, right? <laughs> Yeah, and, and unfortunately, it seems like a lot of time when USDA goes out on a limb and makes guesses, it's not in the farmer's favor. So that's, yeah. that's never a good thing. Yeah. It does seem to be that way, yeah. Well, Todd, very interesting discussion. I think these are, are important things we've learned this year and hopefully can be addressed moving forward. But the, getting more information from China is always difficult. We know that. So we'll see what happens moving forward. Good to talk with you and have a good Ag Summit this week. Thank you, Mike. We look forward to it. Take care. DTN lead analyst Todd Holtman. Coming up next, we'll have a couple more speakers from the virtual DTN Ag Summit going on today, tomorrow, and Wednesday. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines. Join us every Tuesday for Around the Table brought to you by CHS as we discuss how cooperatives support farmers and ranchers and build strong communities. Each week we'll chat with voices from throughout the cooperative system from global market access to local expertise We'll explore how co-op ownership means you own a world of opportunities. Tune in on Tuesdays or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more.
A lot goes into keeping a precision operation moving. The inputs you choose have to deliver results. New Delaro Complete Fungicide from Bayer offers unmatched consistency and the most complete disease control available. Your corn and soybeans are protected and yields higher, even in unpredictable conditions. With Delaro Complete, you get results you can count on to help keep your precision operation running smoothly. Always read and follow label instructions. To learn more, visit DelaroComplete.us today. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture for the American Ag Network. I'm Kirsten Raw with the market check here on this Monday morning. Grain markets are weaker across the board with follow-through selling from last week. South American weather is mostly benign, while demand from China has been a bit slower as of late. On the Board of Trade, March soybeans trading 10 and 3 quarters lower at 11.54 and a quarter of a cent. The November contract down 5 and 3 quarters at 10.32 and a half cent. May corn down 3 at 420 and a quarter the march contract down two and a half cent at 417 and a half cent for the wheat chicago wheat march down six and a half cent at 569 kansas city wheat march down seven and a half cent at 535 and a quarter minneapolis spring wheat march down four and a fraction at 546 and a quarter of a cent live cattle futures shifted lower last week creating concern that the recent market rally may come to a premature end but underlining market support and potential Potential end-of-the-year buying interest is creating renewed hope early Monday morning. Friday slaughter was estimated at 117 head, 2,000 more than the prior week, but 5,000 head less than a year ago. Saturday's kill was estimated at 69,000 head, bringing the weekly total to 667,000 head, 103,000 head greater than the previous week, but 15,000 head below 2019. On the Board of Trade, February live cattle trading 65 cents lower at 111.75. The April contract down 65 at 115.52. January feeder cattle down $1.55 at 138.25. The June contract down 72 at 110.32. February lean hogs down $1.30 at 65.27. The April contract down $1.12 at 69.37. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture for the American Ag Network. I'm Kirsten Rawl. Do you know how to keep food safe at home? Clean, separate, cook, and chill. The easy lessons of clean, separate, cook, and chill will help you protect your family and be food safe. Let's talk about how to separate. First, use different cutting boards for meat, poultry, seafood, and veggies. Raw meat should never touch food that won't be cooked. Then, always keep raw meat, poultry, seafood, and their juices away from other foods in the shopping cart. And store raw meat, poultry, and seafood in a container or on a plate in the fridge so juices won't drip on other foods. Food safety risks at home are more common than most people think. The USDA is your partner in being food safe. visit BeFoodSafe.gov or call 1-888-MP-HOTLINE. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Synex Premium Diesel. Synex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. 
Well, as mentioned, this is the opening day for the DTN Virtual Ag Summit. It will go today, tomorrow, and Wednesday. One of the speakers at the summit joins us now. That is Cindy Lingle-Russ. We're going to talk about the Progressive Ag Foundation. Cindy, thank you very much for joining us. For those not familiar uh, with the Progressive Ag Foundation, uh, tell us a little bit about it. Sure. Thanks so much for having us on. So typically when we present to this audience during the DTM Progressive Ag Summit, um, we, I, I usually ask people to raise their hands if they know someone who has been injured in an ag-related incident. And uh, in that room full of people, I usually have about 100% of people raising their hands. And then I ask them if they know someone who, um, who was killed in an ag-related incident. And about that many hands up. So we understand that agriculture uh, has its hazards and dangers kind of as a whole. We understand that. But uh, many are still really surprised to know how many children are involved with those statistics as well. So um, every day, 33 children are injured in an ag-related incident. And those injuries are reported and uh, the National Children's Center for Rural and Agricultural Health and Safety um, track those injuries and so there's significant enough injuries um, to be reported and in that statistic then every, approximately every three days a child dies in an ag-related incident. Um, so again I think people in agriculture know that agriculture can be um, hazardous and, and dangerous but don't always uh, are, are kind of surprised to know how many children are, are involved uh, with that. So our foundation, um, thanks to the Progressive Farmer magazine over 25 years ago uh, featuring ag safety in a feature article, and during that time they realized, gosh, you know, there are so many children involved, and Jack Odell, who was the publisher at the time, said, we're going to start a program. And <laughs> 26 years later, and over 1.8 million youth and adults later who have gone through the Progressive Agriculture Safety Day program uh, we are where we are today. Um, however, we still have a lot of work to do. Um, during COVID, uh, we saw a rise in uh, both ATV and bicycle accidents and incidents uh, where children were, um, were seriously injured and there were some fatalities. So um, our mission of providing education, training, and resources to make farm and rural life safer and healthier for children and their families is is relevant today and our vision is clearer than ever that no child would become ill, injured, or die from farm and rural activities. So um, we're trying to not remain relevant. We'd like to work our way out of this, but um, farm safety for kids is very, very important to us and everyone really on the farm. So that's what we do. That's the problem that we are trying to address. And then finally, how can people get involved with the program, especially at the local level? Sure. Uh, the local level, um, I think it's, it's so important because people know, I think especially farmers know how important safety is. Um, it's really as simple sometimes as saying, you know, could I host a safety day? Would that be something that I have time to do that, um, that I'm willing to do? Um, or is it something where I could talk to maybe our university extension office and say, hey, are you familiar with this program? Or maybe a, a, 
uh, FFA leader or even FFA students who are very involved with our program in both presenting and leading our younger participants come through the stations at a safety day. So we are, um, there are all sorts of ways to get involved and, and if they are interested in applying to the foundation, the foundation, depending on how much money we have in the coffers, um, can accept that application and then people are trained through the foundation and that person then hosts a safety day with their committee intact and um, kids are typically come, coming from a school and those children go through the different stations that that coordinator has selected for their safety day. And those, those stations are, are typically really reflective of that community and what needs the community has in terms of safety. Um, so that's something that someone can do, even if they're not the person who they feel like, well, I'm not the one to actually host the safety day, absolutely feel free to reach out to your community and find a person and just let them know, hey, are you familiar with this program? Because it's out there and they're doing really fantastic work. Yeah, good to hear, and we hope more people will be uh, active in this, get involved with it. Uh, farm safety is something we all need to uh, uh, be more aware of, talk more about, and take every uh, precaution we can to keep everyone safe. Cindy, thank you for being with us. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having us. Take care. Cindy Lingle-Russ with the Progressive Ag Foundation. Very important work uh, on farm safety. One of the uh, speakers at the DTN Ag Summit going on today, tomorrow, and Wednesday. Another one of those speakers joins us now, and that is DTN meteorologist Bryce Anderson. Bryce, busy a few days here. A lot going on with the Ag Summit. Yes, there is, Mike, and um, there's uh, plenty of... uh, of uh, planning that's gone into things with you know different uh, ways of of uh, signing up and um, making sure that we've all got the webcams positioned correctly <laughs> and all that sort of thing so there's been there's been uh, a lot of things happen and uh, it does sound like things are starting off well very good uh let's talk weather uh we're starting december off pretty well as far as mild weather is concerned yeah, we are, and uh, the way the forecast is acting, uh, it is going to turn colder next week over most of the country, but, you know, the the uh, abnormal warmth that we have here in the first uh, third of December is likely to mean that uh, for all but the southern tier of states, uh, December goes into the uh, books as uh, a month with above normal temperatures and especially uh, north of interstate 90 uh, where december temperatures could uh, result in a trend that is at least five degrees fahrenheit above normal for the month which is just a a a tremendous uh, uh, advance ahead of average Uh, you know usually you think if you uh, have uh, trends that are maybe about three degrees above normal uh, that that's a, a big uh, a, a big difference, but when we're talking about five degrees above normal, that's that's really something. I mean, that's uh, that's uh, borderline uh, almost uh, out of bounds, so to speak. But uh, that's the way things are looking. And then uh, we are going to have maybe a little bit of snow across uh, parts of the northern plains this coming uh, weekend. Maybe some uh, rain over the Midwest, but all in all. Uh, December is looking like a month that's going to be pretty dry 
uh, relative to normal, with especially below normal precipitation in the Delta and then through the Gulf Coast. So it's a warm and dry month uh, for the most part that we've got going on. All right, we're watching closely South America because uh, certainly impacts markets. Uh, what's uh, their situation down there? Are they getting rain? There has been some short-term rain developed in central Brazil. I'm, I'm looking right now at, uh, at, at an image uh, from uh, satellite uh, analysis uh, back on Friday night, and uh, both Friday night and Saturday night, uh, that central crop uh, region of Brazil, not just an area, but the entire region, Mato Grosso, Mato Grosso do Sul, Paraná, over into Goiás. I mean, the, you know, the really fat states for production had uh, things lit up uh, in terms of uh, of uh, rainfall activity and, uh, and and active thunderstorm formation. It was the best occurrence that we've had this entire growing season, and that was repeated on Friday and Saturday. So there has been beneficial rain in central Brazil. And, you know, the, you know, the, the big question now, of course, is, is that going to sustain itself? And uh, as we look ahead into the next week, it does look like that central uh, crop region, again, Mato Grosso and Goiás especially, are going to get a rainfall of anywhere from one to three inches, which is uh, very uh, favorable. Southern Brazil and Argentina are staying drier. Uh, Mike, one of the big questions uh, that that uh, I know uh, everybody is having uh, is uh, asking is uh, you know really how are how are uh, soybeans going to respond uh, to late planting because uh, I saw some video from uh, Mato Grosso uh, that was taken a week ago where the soybeans uh, soybean plants themselves were not even knee high uh, there was no canopy between the rows and the beans are already starting to bloom. And so, you know, the question now becomes uh, how much uh, progress or how much uh, real recovery is there going to be? And I think that that's just an ongoing question. But there has been uh, improvement in that uh, short-term rainfall package in Brazil. So favorable for their production, which isn't uh, necessarily favorable for our markets. <laughs> no, it's, I mean, you know, this, this, is, a, this is a funny season. I mean, uh, the, the grower who uh, sent me the video uh, said uh, this is a tricky year. It's a it's a tricky year, my friend. And and uh, yeah, the reason why is because uh, this uh, Brazil planting in large part was a month late. Everything got kind of crowded into uh, planting uh, during the month of November, and so there's going to be a real crunch come harvest time, and a lot of harvesting needing to be done in February, and all of that's going to have to happen at once. It's going to be a lot of stress on their whole system, I think. We'll keep a close watch on it, and uh, always appreciate you being with us each, uh, each week, Bryce, and uh, have a great DTN Ag Summit this week. Thank you, Mike, and thanks again for everything you're doing to help us tell the story. That's DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson here on AOA. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Hey, Dad. Your prescription will be ready in just a minute. Hey, Dad. Your laundry will be ready in just a minute. Dad, your lunch will be ready in just a minute. Hey, honey. Why don't you take a minute? 
When you help care for a loved one, you give them as much time as you can, making sure they're safe and comfortable. But it's just as important that you take some time for yourself. At AARP, we can help with information and useful tips on how you can maintain a healthy life balance, care for your own physical and mental well-being, and manage the challenges of caring for a loved one. Because the better care you take of yourself, the better care you can provide for your loved one. Thanks, Dad. Thank you. You're there for them. We're here for you. Find free care guides to support you and your loved one at aarp.org caregiving. That's aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. The Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council present the story of Cynthia and Ed. My mother was always very active and independent, and she was familiar with her neighborhood. But one day, out of the blue, she stopped at the stop sign for much longer than usual. And uh, she didn't know whether she should go forward or, or turn or just stay at the stop sign. She wasn't even really sure where she was at. She was very concerned. It was very unsettling for her. It's important for you to talk to someone about it, to bring the family in on it. I felt so much better after my son told me, Mom, I don't want you to worry or be afraid. I'll be there for you and we'll figure it out. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash ourstories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. The landscape of media has changed and people are more skeptical than ever about where they get their news and information. While major news outlets show decreasing credibility, your local farm radio station still shows strong marks. In a recent survey, farmers rated information from their farm broadcasters as almost twice as reliable as major news outlets. Farm radio continues to be transparent, honest, and trustworthy. This message brought to you by the National Association of Farm Broadcasting. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, Michael Langmeyer, Purdue Ag Economist. Michael, the roller coaster ride of 2020 continues. The, the October index was 183, and uh, the November index is down from that to a level of 167. So what's more interesting is, is looking at the uh, two sub-indices, the index of current conditions and index of future expectations. They moved in opposite directions. The index of current conditions continued to increase and reached an all-time high uh, for the survey at 187. That's about a 10-point increase uh, from October in pet positive. Positive news on the trade front. Uh, prices have strengthened, particularly corn and soybeans. We have relatively high government payments in 2020, and so you combine all of those things, and people are pretty optimistic uh, looking at the next 12 months. However, if you look at the index of future expectations, uh, decreased from 186 in October to 156 in November, and so people are, are becoming more optimistic short term, uh, but but relatively less optimistic long term. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. A lot goes into keeping a precision operation moving. The inputs you choose have to deliver results. New Delaro Complete Fungicide from Bayer offers unmatched consistency and the most complete disease control available. Your corn and soybeans are protected and yields higher, even in unpredictable conditions. With Delaro Complete, you get results you can count on to help keep your precision operation running smoothly. Always read and follow label instructions. To learn more, visit delarocomplete.us today. 
Adams on Agriculture prides itself on bringing top leaders in the egg industry right to your radio speakers. AOA wants to continue that conversation right to your fingertips. Follow AOA on Twitter at AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams himself at the handle Mike Adams Egg. You will receive real-time highlights of the show and keep up with which convention or industry meeting AOA is attending. That's AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams Egg. We hope to see you online. A cold front can slow the world to a crawl. But with Cenex Premium Diesel, your fleet can power through. Cenex Roadmaster XL Seasonally Enhanced comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn, optimizing cold weather performance over typical number two diesel. So rather than complaining about the cold, own it with Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. And we continue to talk with some of those participating in this, in this week's DTN Virtual Ag Summit. Joining us now is Katie Hansen, Agronomy Project Manager for GrowMark. Katie, thanks for joining us. I know you have a lot going on at GrowMark uh, that helps farmers right now as far as handling their data and some more things coming in the future. Kind of kind of bring us up to date on some things that uh, you feel farmers need to know about uh, how they can get the most out of uh uh, sharing their data, putting it to good use, and how Growmark helps them do that. Yeah, good morning. So, you know, one of the things that I've actually kind of come to discover as one of the biggest pains in ag um, is really around sharing data because we've got our farm names, we've got boundaries, field names, and, and we've got these in so many different systems. And so, so much of the time, they're not actually named the same or they don't even have the same boundary probably. And so when, you know, we as growers are looking to implement these new technologies, we've got to go through our system to find the right name, find the right boundary, and kind of go through that tedious process of, you know, downloading and uploading that to uh, whatever new system it is we're looking at. And so something that, you know, at Growmark and with the FS system that we've realized is we really need to get back to basics before we can really run with all of these new technologies and these advanced programs and, and get to this world that we envision. And so, you know, something that we're working hard on right now is actually thinking about our fields as kind of like we do our, our own personal identities. Like we all have, you know, an address, right? But that changes from time to time. We all have you know, driver's license or IDs, and most of that information is constant, but some things on that change, like your height and your weight or address, right? But all of us have a social security number, and that never changes. And that's exactly what we've been working on with our growers is getting down to that social security number of our farm fields and boundaries, because when we can get that piece of data right, we open ourselves up to, you know, a ton of opportunities in the technology space. Yeah, there's always there are always questions about security, who has access, how's the information used, how do you get the most value from it? What are some of the technology technologies Growmark's working on that will help growers in, in these areas? 
Yeah, so what we really see is, you know, at the end of the day, having a deeper digital relationship and that transparency with your crop specialist as a grower opens you up to a lot of opportunities and things like, you know, visibility into, um, you know, an, an easier understanding of your billing or your invoicing, if you do that by field or by farm, um, validating your field applications, your as-applied information, getting those real-time alerts and communications around what exactly you should expect in your field each day. And then all of your other data layers like soil sampling or VRT recs, uh, prescriptions, your harvest data, having all of that data come together and integrated in a way that all you need to do is open up your phone. You know, you can make decisions in just a couple taps of your finger. That's what we really envision. And so we're working, um, you know, we're working as with our team at Growmark and we're also working with, you know, DTN to kind of create some of these platforms where we can actually do just that. Have, you know, this agronomy hub where all you do is open up your app and you see everything you need to see with your operation that day. You have your imagery, you have your alerts, you've got your field data layers, you know exactly what's going on in your farms, you know, every day. Um, and then also, you know, working on all of the uh, other hubs to keep your invoicing, your billing, your grain, all of that as well, kind of all together. It can be a little intimidating, a little overwhelming. Uh, you you, you <laughs> want to be cautious and you want to make the right choices, right decisions. And that's why having a good partner, say like Growmark, uh, to, to help you along that process, that's why that's so valuable. Yeah, and it's, if you can get to the point where you trust that, that initial data set that we've got in the system, everything from there on out is just is so much more simple. And so we're really just starting at basics, making sure we get everything right there at the beginning so that our growers can really trust the data that we're, we're giving them each day. More value in that information all the time. And I know I, it's still, I know I'm not a real high-tech person, but there's still some reservations about, okay, we're sending all this up into into the cloud, and who can get into the cloud, <laughs> who can access that? I mean, it's all kind of still hard to for some of us to get our minds around, but uh, that's what we're working with now, and, and it, it can work if done right. It can, and I think the biggest, you know, the biggest goal is that when a grower uses any any of our tools, they don't actually feel like they're using some high-tech piece of technology, but it, it feels simple, and it feels easy, and, and that's really the goal. We are we are doing a heck of a lot in the technology space, and we've got some really cool tools and analytics, but at the end of the day, that's not what matters to the grower. You just need to make their life simpler, and so the, the more we can do to make that feel like it's not some crazy technology tool, the better, really. Right. Yeah, the two big questions. How do I do it safely and, and the right way? That's one question, and then the other question is, how do I benefit from this? How how does what's the value here? How do I how do I gain from this? Right. Absolutely, and so you know, and that's <clears throat> that's what we what we've been working on for a few years now is really what's in it for me as a grower, right? And so, um, what we've kind of been able to identify through different um, you know pilots of different technologies that we've we've run over the past couple of years is you know genuinely having that that transparent relationship with your crop specialist gives growers the opportunity to see so much more of what's going on in their field. So if you're a grower and you envision that you wake up one day, you look at your phone, you've got all your market information, you've got 
any, you know, agronomy alerts as far as imagery or potential risks you need to look at in your field. And then you get a notification saying, hey, your field is getting sprayed in between 10 a.m. and noon today. And then Mm -hmm. at 11 a.m., you get another notification, hey, your field's been sprayed. Here's the actual report. You know you can can, um, get back out in that field immediately to do whatever it is you need to do, you know, afterwards. And so... Really Pretty amazing, yeah. Real-time, transparent info. Yep. Katie Hansen, Agronomy Project Manager for Growmark. Thank you, Katie. She's part of the DTN Virtual Ag Summit. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines. These are the sounds of a dinner. A dinner that almost didn't happen. A dinner now served, thanks to people like you. Due to COVID-19, 17 million more Americans may face hunger. Feeding America is helping our neighbors in need. And if you're able, you can too. Donations are being accepted at feedingamerica.org slash coronavirus. Brought to you by the Ad Council and Feeding America. 200 Food Bank Strong. We are strong, we are resilient, and we will get through this together. But these are stressful times, and it's important to also practice good self-care. It's normal to feel overwhelmed, anxious, or afraid, but there is hope. Reach out to someone, connect with your friends, stay in touch with your community, and know that you are not alone. Learn more at wearebroadcasters.com slash hope. Furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> it's been 23 minutes since I ate. <laughs> I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council.